p.m. board bonds. Now, here's doctors Iltafat Hussain and Blake Briggs. Welcome back to another EM Board Bombs podcast where we help you study for boards, but in reality, we help you study for hashtag EM Life, one rapid podcast at a time. I'm Blake Briggs, co-founder, co-host. I want to make that very clear uh, for all of our listeners, and I'm the co-founder here, not the sole founder. Are we going to read that review, that hilarious Apple review? Sorry, should I introduce myself? I'm sure our listeners already know my name. Yeah, we have a special guest today, Dr. Iltafat Hussein. He oh, comes every it. now and then. Oh, stop. Just so ridiculous. Right? <laughs> listeners are wondering where he is. I do a lot of work that our listeners don't see, you know, on the back end, on the back end. Do you ever watch that show, Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Of course. That's why I travel so much. Yes. That, that's basically you now for the onboard moms, because I have people asking me all the time, where is Dr. Iltafat Hussein? You know, I'm not on the socials. So I keep pretty low key, but you can probably find me on other people's socials where I'm tagged in different countries. Yeah. Just like a background shot though. There you go. There you go. If you're in Bali last month, I would have seen you. So, yeah, yeah, there you go. Let's keep sure. bragging. Humble, you know, humble brag. <laughs> Stop Bali. Dropping dropping names. <laughs> Stop it. Hey, for each fifteen to twenty minute episode, you gain high yield board knowledge. As we like to say, come for the stems, stay for the content. As per usual. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at EMBoardBombs. Hey, let's get to the STEM here and talk about this high-yield topic. All right, but we totally have to call out an amazing Apple review. Oh, my gosh. Can we please do that? Oh, we absolutely have to. I'll read it. Okay, read it out loud. This is is hilarious. And to our listeners, we encourage reviews such as this, and I would put a challenge out there to all our listeners. The more outrageous your reviews are, the more likelihood that we will feature it on a podcast a screaming comes across the sky that's the title that's awesome what a title brilliant we still don't know who this is by the way right no, we, we don't. still don't know who this is okay <laughs> it's five out of five stars too obviously obviously no simmering smoldering presentation here this is the high yield v2 rocket of em podcasts v2 well rocket. worth the listen highly entertaining five star info on relevant em topics only negative is the frequent absence of founding member Iltzvat Hussein, comma, MD. Founding member. I love it. He also said, comma, MD. How <laughs> many subtle references do they get? This is amazing. Who is spending more and more time flying out to San Francisco to record episodes as the new host <laughs> of the Hearts of Space radio program. <laughs> That's too funny. That's too funny. Dean or B, whoever that is, wherever you practice. Thank you for your service. <laughs> and please hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> we would love to feature you. Yeah. On, you know, and give like some true acknowledgement. Yes, what yes. a what a review. I mean, it wasn't even long. It wasn't yeah. long. Just absolutely hilarious. We were on the ground laughing because it hit yeah. so many subtle, random things. If you're, mm-hmm. you know, um, have followed us over the years that you would have gotten in like two seconds. Absolutely. It was amazing. So thank you again. And, uh, Again, notice to everyone else, drop some killer reviews. You get a nice shout-out on the podcast. Let's go. An otherwise healthy 43-year-old female is being evaluated by ENT, that ear, nose, throat, (laughs) at bedside (laughs) for foreign body removal of a grill brush wire she accidentally ingested at a barbecue. ENT had utilized a topical anesthetic prior to performing the bedside scope. 
you walk over to check in on your patient and you notice the patient's pulse oximetry is in the 80s and the patient appears cyanotic. ENT reassures you saying, yeah, airway fine, great view, just throw them on some O's, end quote, as they're looking at their camera and not the patient. Despite aggressive supplemental O2, the patient pulse ox is still reading in the mid 80s. Rapid chest x-ray at bedside is reassuring. Your respiratory therapist keeps telling you the ABG that they're pulling for you just doesn't look right and the patient's blood appears dark. What is the next best step other than politely requesting ENT to remove their scope and step away from the patient? What is the next best step? Is it A, sodium nitrite, B, methylene blue, C, hydroxycoabalamin, B12, also known as B12, sorry, I can't pronounce that, D, chest x-ray. Dr. Briggs. Great answer here is choice B, methylene blue. It's not hydroxycobalamin. Stop it. Hey, well listened to pod listeners just understand why I can't pronounce that. You know, mm. we won't get into it. No judgment here. Right. Hey, uh, why don't you talk about EM rapid bombs for us? Sure. EM Rapid Bombs, that's our premium podcast. We have over 320 episodes, 330 episodes. Just keeps growing every week. It's pretty awesome. Less than five-minute episodes. Quick, rapid episodes. Question and answer format. You can sign up at emrapidbombs.supercast.com. Check out our show notes to sign up. If you're one of our listeners, you would have knocked this question out of the park. Hey, so what is methemoglobinemia? I mean, are we getting like... Something like, that... We're getting into <laughs> chemistry? Or are we getting into like, what is... Because this is something... We're going to tell you what yeah, you need to know. We're going to tell you what you need to know. Because there's a lot of like... You, you start feeling like you're back in chemistry class again. Ugh, it's awful. I, look, awful. I enjoyed OrgoChem. I did. I yeah, did too. But, I did but, too. you know, I think sometimes like this... People get really jazzed about this one. I feel like once a year, one of my residents will be like check what i diagnosed you know everyone gives each other high fives this is one of those this is one of those right yeah right so what is methemoglobinemia it's a form of hemoglobin that has been oxidized so remember when you're oxidizing you're changing the heme iron configuration from ferrous to ferric so you're adding what is that you're adding a electron electron yeah one of those things so you're adding an electron. I cannot believe we use the word electron on this podcast. Yeah, we so get we got we're losing people quickly. Hurry. I know, I know. I got to hurry up. Hurry, um, hurry. Unlike normal hemoglobin, methemoglobin does not bind to oxygen and as a result cannot deliver oxygen to the tissues. So that's the key. So the main thing you got to remember is once it turns into methemoglobin, then it's not binding to oxygen. Patient is not getting the oxygen they need to their tissues. This can be congenital or acquired, but again, we're going to keep this simple. We're going to focus on acquired. That's the only thing you'll be testing on ever. Right. So, hey, so into the electron transport chain now. This what? Is, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. You see, this is where we deviate from other pots. All right. We're not going to get yeah. into that. Yeah. Turn back on your podcast, please. If you turned us off, turn us back on. I know. I know. I hope, I hope we didn't. You know, 
you know, we're, we're that blue collar pod. So I think 20% of our listeners have already stopped listening to it. So <laughs> if you stuck around, if you stuck around, thank you. Number one. So all you need to know is that a left shift on that hemoglobin oxygen dissociation curve occurs. So you're, you know, you have that typically you have that S curve. So mm-hmm. here you're having a left shift there. And this is going to decrease O2 delivery to the tissues. People with acute toxic methemoglobinemia, they can be really ill and can die from severe hypoxia despite aggressive supplemental oxygen. That's so big. Yeah. So Briggs, can you talk about the presentation? Yeah. So the biggest thing here is it's difficult to diagnose. So let's talk about the symptoms and the causes, and then we'll bring it all together. So when you're talking about the presentation here, it's an abrupt development. It's not this smoldering thing for several days. It happens quickly after an exposure. And so what you have is an abrupt development of symptoms of hypoxia from exposure from the oxidizing cause. And that induces this methemoglobin formation. So what about cyanosis? Everybody talks about cyanosis, cyanosis, cyanosis. Well, obviously it's that blue discoloration of the skin, mucous membranes, the nail beds, potentially the lips. It's a common feature of acute methemoglobinemia. It does depend, however, on the level of methemoglobin. Importantly, anemia can mask cyanosis. The lower your hemoglobin is, the less likely you're going to have cyanosis manifest. This is important because anemic patients are going to be sicker, right? Because they're already having a reduced oxygen carrying capacity. So they're going to be quite ill, but they're going to lack cyanosis. This is really big. Hmm. So your sickest patients are not going to look cyanotic. That's key. That is key. That was very interesting, wasn't it? It was. It was very interesting. Hey, so symptoms can be obvious like cyanosis or dyspnea but they can also be nonspecific symptoms. And I like to relate all these symptoms to the same exact symptoms as carbon monoxide poisoning. Same stuff. It's the exact same thing. Mm, I like it. Headaches, lightheadedness, fatigue, irritability, lethargy. Why are they so random and somewhat neurologic? Well, obviously because of decreased tissue perfusion in the brain. Right. And so the brain is a very, uh, how do I put this? Um, hungry for glucose and oxygen. And so because of that, you're gonna have these nonspecific symptoms that can develop early on that are very hard to link, right? To methemoglobinemia or common oxide. Mm. Rarely patients can be dramatic, like shock-like presentations, severe respiratory depression, or neurologic deterioration like coma and seizures. Again, all this stuff is very similar to carbon monoxide poisoning, right? All right. The blood is always classically described as what? So chocolate brown, but I think let's just say it's just darker than it yeah, should be. Yeah. And we kind yeah. of mentioned that in the question stem, we showed the more acute presentation, which is having right. to be tested for it on the boards. But in real life, you should, for any patient that you're having aggressive, or you're having to aggressively give oxygen to, and it's just, there's some sort of mismatch happening, you're giving them oxygen, and they're not responding, this should be on your differential. Right. And it's really important to note that this chocolate brown phrase or darker blood phrase, it may not always be present, because either someone's not going to notice it, or it will doubtfully be on your boards because it's such a dead giveaway. Like, they're not right. going to tell you that anymore. You know, they just know everybody knows the buzzword. Right. Typically, the severity of symptoms correlates with the methemoglobin level. So let's talk more about the causes here. And Ultifa and I are going to switch off one by one. So I'm going to start off with just typical ingested medications, by far the most common. There are right. a lot of these. You will never have to memorize all of the odd ones. It's There are a lot of odd ones. Thankfully, right. the majority of our mainstream medications don't cause methemoglobinemia, with the exception of like three of them here. Right. But the major ones are testable. So we picked out what is the most important here. By far, the classic ones are antiparasitic drugs. Right. Chloroquine, primaquine, any quinone, 
and Dapzone. Dapzone. Those are the Dapzone. big ones. They love Dapzone. They love Dapzone. I don't love Dapzone, no. but yes, they love Dapzone. Those are the big four. So chloroquine, primaquine, quinones, and Dapzone. Anything with a queen in it, mm-hmm. Q-U-I-N, oh. <laughs> yeah. is going to yeah. be associated with methemolinemia and then Dapzone. Right. Well, let's talk about some other drugs. Yeah, I mean, sulfas, uh, you know, you can pretty much include sulfas in uh, any type, anything, because they always cause issues. So, yeah. I heard sulfas were implicated in the uh, disrupting the Paris Peace Accords. Yes, uh, that's probably accurate. Yep. And everyone is now resistant to them as well. I heard sulfas were also part of the uh, bubonic plague yes, in the Middle, that, middle that Ages. That is also accurate. I don't know if that's right. accurate, but I would assume so. Yeah, it sounds like, it sounds real. I heard it on Twitter. Yep. Hey, Razabir case is another one. Yep. Think about this in patients who have tumor lysis syndrome and, you know, treating uh, uric acid levels. Right. The only surprising one here, I'll, I'll mention this one. I'm going to skip Iltifat. I'm going to let you finish Iltifat, but I need to talk about this first. Right. It's pulling a Kanye West on me. Okay. <laughs> Can't say him anymore. It's yay. Oh, that's right. Sorry. The only surprising drug listed here is metoclopramide. I give metoclopramide at least like once a shift, probably more. Mm. Love that medication. But have never seen this complication. I don't know if you have. So it's extremely yeah. rare. I don't give it so it's because I know of this complication. So I don't. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Yeah. I haven't seen that. <laughs> I haven't seen that. No. I, I think the big one is going to be local anesthetics. Oh, yeah. yeah That's yeah. the one they like to ask a lot about. So benzocaine, mm-hmm. lidocaine. So think okay. like dental problems. <laughs> oh, yeah. gosh. So classically in children who are teething, you know, they love to ask about that. Over-the-counter typical sprays also have benzocaine in them. That's why we set that up with that ENT mm-hmm. type of question, something mm-hmm. that I might be doing at bedside. Uh, nitrates and nitrates, those are, you know, obviously nitroglycerin is one recently treated carbon monoxide exposure. That patient got nitrate. There's also the inhalants, right? So mm-hmm. those right, amino right, right. nitrates, right. I think the, the street name, you know, so you might have someone who's like, uh, you know, huffing drugs and, you know, they might come in with this and it's because they had a quote popper is what they're called on the streets. So that's another right, one right. to think about. In Bagging your, and huffing. Exactly. Yeah. In your, yeah. uh, you know, in your patients with substance abuse. Okay. Hey, so the most difficult part of treating methemoglobinemia is recognizing that you are treating methemoglobinemia. Importantly, pulse ox is not accurate here. It'll simply hover in the eighties or so. It doesn't truly reflect how hypoxic a patient is. The reason is that methemoglobin absorbs light at the pulse oximeter's two wavelengths. So this leads to a you know false error in estimating the percentages of reduced and oxyhemoglobins, meaning that it's just not going to pick it up. And so you're going to have a pulse ox that could be just in the 80s, and it doesn't change at all, even if you give supplemental oxygen. In fact, just to you know hammer this home, this is the key point here for diagnosis: how to think about methemoglobinemia. The finding of a pulse ox reading of in the 80s and failure of the pulse ox to improve with administration of supplemental O2 are clues that may raise a suspicion for methemoglobinemia. So the symptoms will be the driver here. Unexplained hypoxia, you need to ask about medications and exposures, new meds, what they've taken at home, dental problems, any dental procedures. What are the other clues? Well, on exam, any cyanosis with pale gray or you know blue-colored skin, lips, nail beds, whatever, in the presence of a normal arterial oxygen pressure, PaO2, and an oxygen saturation or pulse ox in the 80s, that's concerning. So again, if a patient's cyanotic, but they have a normal PaO2 on an ABG, that needs to be a head-scratcher. So your ABG is actually going to be really useful here. Methemoglobinemia, it's easily detected on most blood gas machines in the U.S., the key part of that ABG though is your PaO2 is going to be normal. That's because 
that your PaO2 reflects the amount of oxygen dissolved in the blood, and this is not going to be affected by methemoglobinemia. Methemoglobinemia is diagnosed if the methemoglobin level is greater than 5%. Before we kind of move forward, you know, ways you might be asked on this on the test is it going to be them presenting a blood gas or prompting you to order a blood gas to make that diagnosis. Right, Dr. Briggs? Exactly right. Yeah, so on a treatment, Briggs. Yeah, so if the patient has symptoms and a methemoglobin level greater than 30%, you need to treat it. Yep. Now, those who are symptomatic with methemoglobin levels between 20 to 30%, especially those with pulmonary cardiac com- comorbidities, they need treatment too. So this work gets in this gray zone, mm-hmm. and I, I would actually utilize your toxicologist in this case. If you have a methemoglobin level of like 7% and they're just on supplemental O2, no, you're not going to treat them with methylene blue. You're going to admit them to the hospital, recheck them, their levels, monitor them. But if they're significantly ill and sick, you need to talk to your toxicologist about this and see if they would benefit from methylene blue. Just know that on the boards and know that in the textbook, greater than 30% is typically that hard cutoff right. with someone with, with methemoglobinemia that would benefit from methylene blue therapy. Yeah, and uh, clearly if they're blue and not doing well... <laughs> Give methylene blue. Give methylene blue. That sounds like a great drug ad. You know, if you're blue, get methylene blue. <laughs> Right? Might be the right choice for you. Talk to your doctor about methylene blue. And then like that pharma ad where they talk really fast about all the side effects. Side effects include stroke, heart attack, pulmonary embolism, mad cow disease. Death, death, and more death. (laughs) It's always patients being really happy though. They look great. Yeah, they're ordering a steak at a restaurant with their methylene blue anemia. In in slow-mo. In (laughs) slow-mo. Hey, so methylene blue, it's going to be your standard treatment choice. It's effective. It's fast. It's like eating board bombs. Boom. I love it. I was waiting for you. I was just setting that up for you, you know, yeah. and you just smashed it out of the park. Yeah. The cool thing with giving methylene blue, though, is you have rapid clinical improvement. You're going to see rapid clinical improvement here with methylene blue and a reduction of methemoglobin levels to, you know, less than 10% within 10 to 60 minutes. It's pretty nuts. Whoa. Right? Pretty Whoa. gratifying. Yeah. Hey, but remember from med school, you'd always learn about this one particular thing. <laughs> I feel like this was like first year of med school. We, they used to talk about it so much. And I remember in residency and, you know, doing this long enough, I, I have yet to meet someone with G6PD deficiency. Like I just have yet to do it. Yet I felt like that was talked about so much in med school for some reason. Um, and there were, you know, on step one and everything else. Right, and right. so I already gave it away, but it should be avoided in who? G6PD deficiency. Boom. I always thought, yeah, G6PD deficiency was talked about so much in med school. Right. And I think I think a lot of it, too, <laughs> is because it's just an interesting chemistry thing to talk about. So yeah. I think it would really excite, the yeah. you know, block one, block, you know, the, that first year one, year yeah. two right, uh, right. clinical right. instructors. They would love talking about it. Yeah. When you know enough just to be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> just stop. Just stop. Why do you avoid methylene blue in individuals with G6PD deficiency? It precipitates hemolysis. Okay. Yes. Done. Yeah. Done. What's hey, another? Who else? Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You, you tell me. I'm going to tell you. I'm excited. This is like when Ultfa and I get together in real life. We just constantly interrupt each other because we're so excited to see each I'm other. So excited. So excited. Always. <laughs> it really is true. It's kind of sad, but it's true. Yeah. Same with Marlena. All three of us get together. It's like you can't fit a word in. <laughs> oh. And next thing you know, it's like two hours later, and we're you know late you know, to meetings. Yeah. Two steak dinners down. <laughs> just it's nuts. Yeah. So methylene blue should be avoided in those taking serotonergic medications. Right. That's because methylene blue can precipitate serotonergic syndrome. Why is that? Why in SSRIs? Well, 
did you know <laughs> this is the wormhole of the podcast did you know that methylene blue is a mal inhibitor just stop m-a-o inhibitor just stop stop did you know that? Because I didn't. I didn't know that it was a no, MAO inhibitor. I didn't know that at all, man. Ugh. That's not what they taught us in Block 1, Block 2. <laughs> That's pretty nuts. All right, so it's MAO inhibitor. So what does that mean? That means that an MAO inhibitor with a serotonin agent can right. cause serotonin syndrome, of course. Exactly. Hey, so ascorbic acid is preferred here in these patients. This really gets into the weeds, and honestly, you're not going to be ever tested on this. No, no. Just know that if the patient has G6BD or is on an SSRI, you shouldn't probably be given methane blue. It's not very effective in that case. Also, is risky. You just call toxicologist here. Just call yeah. your toxicologist. Call your toxicologist. Call your toxicologist. And that's really how we're going to end this podcast. Right. And I think some of you might be saying, hey, I thought this was the Blue Collar Podcast. You guys are talking about all this pathophys and everything else. Well, yeah, we're sorry. Um, you know, we're sorry, but we have certain folks that reached out to us after they took the you know in-service exam and they requested this topic. They said, hey, we were hit up with methylene blue multiple times on our in-service test. So we want to know more about it. Exactly right. Exactly. So we give the people what, we they, want. what they want. Oh my oh, God. We beat each other to it. In sync. In sync. So <laughs> can you wrap this up, Dr. Briggs? A couple key summary points. The most difficult part of treating methylamanemia is recognizing that you're treating methylamanemia. There you go. Done. The finding of a pulse ox in the 80s and a failure of the pulse ox to improve with supplemental O2 automatically should raise your suspicion for methylamanemia. Anyone that is cyanotic and or hypoxic with a normal PaO2 on their blood gas and a pulse ox in the 80s should pretty much nail the diagnosis of methylamanemia. That's it. And you give methylene blue to everyone except for people with G6BD right. or SSRIs. Right. Or SSRIs. Those are the two contraindications yeah. that they might throw at you or ask of you. Honestly, if they're dying right in front of you and that's all you have, you're doing that. Yeah. I mean, hemolysis or death, what would you like? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd rather take the hemolysis and figure out how to deal with it later, right? Or serotonin syndrome. It's yeah, emergency exactly. medicine. All right. Yeah. You see a nail, put a hammer in. So. Exactly right. Now you're sound like ortho. <laughs> no, I think ortho is they take an axe. We <laughs> we take hammers, you know. So. Hey, so it's absolute pleasure. Um, we'll see each other next time. Iltvad, am I going to see you again next week? Or are you are you going off somewhere? So about that uh next week i might be in the lane down under uh doing uh safari so oh, we'll looking see. for looking yeah. for infections down under yeah yeah i've got some some stuff lined up there and um you know i'm an anthropologist as well so hmm. yeah, we'll see didn't know that yeah i didn't either i just kind of made that up oh, that's good all right see you next time thanks for listening see ya. bye